0: Welcome, good evening, well we had a nice visit to the eastern portion of our congregation this weekend, nice to be back with all of you, I heard you carried on in my absence, uh, Right, Devahuti was a testament to the ecstatic nature of the Kirtans, <laughs> Here. she sent us word from, from the home base there heard Andrew was involved also in leading kirtans. Mm-hmm. Very nice. <laughs> so, question? all you said you had a question or? I so You have a question. Okay. This is a write in from His Holiness Swami Padmanabha. Hmm. It says, In his Bhagavat comment to Ajamila, Leela, Sri Vishwanath mentions that Ajamila was liberated after his first speaking of his son's name, Narayan, mm-hmm. and that the rest of sinful activities he performed were only an external carcass of samskara, if you will, since he uprooted the very cause of Vidya through his first Narayan Nambas. So my question is, how to properly apply these types of ideas in our everyday life with Vaishnavas, since things can be exceptionally different internally from what they seem externally? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that requires some background perhaps exclamation explanation. Um, this is a question from the commentary of Vishwanath Chakrabhi Thakur from the uh, early 1700s uh, late yeah early 1700s and uh, to the Bhagavatam the 6th canto of the Bhagavatam the 2nd chapter of the 6th canto of the Bhagavatam that's uh, reminds me of the uh, years ago I was quite active in distributing Prabhupada's books to the public as some of you know and so sometimes the uh, book publishing arm of Prabhupada's mission the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust would ask me what books I thought should be published in large quantities they were already publishing them in large quantities but they wanted to you know they were doing like I don't know fifty thousand of each volume of the Bhagavatam as Prabhupada was, was coming out with them. But they wanted to do like, you know, 250,000 of certain texts, certain volumes of the Bhagavatam perhaps that might be more um, readable by the public and uh, so forth. So uh, I, um, I recommended the first, uh, I think the first three volumes of the first canto, where Prabhupada really pours a lot of uh Inside practical idea, a lot of a Gandhian, agrarian type of ideas, as as part of the you know a lifestyle approach that would be supportive of the teaching, and then then much of the teaching, of course, compressed into the first canto, because as he was writing himself, he uh, or later he reflected that he didn't know if he would be able to finish the work if his life would last that. That long, It's quite a long 18,000 verses, 12 cantos. So in his first canto consisted of three volumes with his commentary on it. So he packed a lot into the first canto um, with the idea that he might not be able to finish the whole book. So the, the, the commentary is extensive there compared to some of the other, other cantos. Of course, he dot, got second and a third wind after one or two heart attacks and went all the way up to the 10th, Canto Thirteenth, Chapter, um, before departing. And and that, and that through a particular window, of the Bhagavatam that he was absorbed in at at the time, in Vrindavan, very extraordinary. Hold <laughs> the whole whole idea is very, of his uh, Bhagavatam commentary. If you play it all out, we should give a lecture on that sometime. Is very extraordinary. So uh, at any rate, I recommended the first Canto and the first volume of the sixth canto, which tells the story of of a Jamio, and um, and so they printed that in large quantities. Uh, The rest of the canto, the first three chapters, first four chapters, was what I was thinking would be be good reading material (laughs) for the public. Uh, The other chapters are a little more um, abstract, if you will, but um, they follow the sixth canto, uh, where our question comes from. Follows, of course, the fifth canto. That's not hard to follow. But um, what if the fifth canto ends with a description of um, of a the punishment side, if you will, of the punishment and reward that's built into uh, nature. Um, So, if you handle her nicely, she rewards you. If you mishandle her, um, she responds in a different way, is the idea. I mentioned this the other night, and I'll say it again, that when we look at the uh, the biological and psychological complex that uh, we're identified with, the biological is the is the gross form of matter, the physical matter, and the psychological is the subtle or psychic, as I sometimes refer to it, uh, form of matter. Two different uh, categories of matter, and in the subtle or the psychic, um, we have the uh, fourfold antakarna, chitta, buddhi, manas, and hankar. So they are awareness discrimination, um, desire, hmm, thought, desire, feeling, and identity, right? So, you have, as I said the other day, you hear a sound of a flute, you hear the sound, you become aware of it with the citta. The buddhi, discriminating factor, determines it's a flute. The mind, manas, the seat of emotion, desire, feeling, says, I like that, or I don't like that, either way. Mm-hmm. And then the ahankar is the ego that has, it, that, I, that 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 is through the, the jitta is aware and through the buddhi discriminates and through the manas uh, desires and so forth. So this is the fourfold division uh, of the of the psychic matter. and I don't want to go into this in detail. It's a little complicated, obviously. But and I've talked about it other times, but. The the chitta being awareness, hmm? awareness in the subtle psychic matter has a corresponding um, manifestation in the gross matter. So awa- with awareness comes um, consequences. I want to say. So with awareness comes consequence. So the consequences are what we call like karma, right? So plays out, and so what you reap, you sow, and so on and so forth, right? Um, so, in the Bhagavatam, then there's a description of extremes of, of of piety and impiety that results respectively in reward and punishment within the land, the realm, the dimension of Bharat, the Bhoomandala. I like to talk about it in a non-geographical sense because it's it's certainly speaking about something that extends beyond the Cartesian coordinates that make up uh, the the subcontinent of the Indian Republic. Mm-hmm. Bharat, Barsha, within the Bhumandala, is a place where uh, reward and punishment are prominent, the idea being that... From there, one can acquire reward and be materially elevated to a dimension or a realm where the punishment is minimal and the reward is great. Or you can go in the opposite direction, so to sort of a heavenly condition or a hellish condition. And This up and down going is, is the course of material life, which is full of ups and downs. It's full of desires for... Um, reward and to avoid punishment or, or desire for happiness and a, a desire to avoid distress and this is just the world of the ocean of material emotions hmm. and so while that is prominent here and we have we see both hellish and heavenly conditions on earth as well hmm. um, so the idea is that there are realms where they're primarily heavenly and they're Realms that are primarily and comparatively hellish; that all are a result of how we conduct ourselves in this this realm. We see differences. We conclude there are consequences for action. We experience that there are consequences for action. So, um, and we have, of course, a broader picture of life, not constituting just this one frame of the of the. Motion picture of our material uh, sojourn. Um, we're trying to make an Academy Award-winning, you know, film out of one frame, which is this short life. Uh, better go to the whole picture, and um, then there's a chance that it could be award-winning in a real sense of the term. <laughs> it's possible by bhakti. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at any rate. Sukadev is telling Pariksit Maharsh, as per his question in the fifth canto, about different um, regions. And so he, at the end of the canto, the fifth canto, he's speaking about the hellish regions. And um, he speaks about it in a way that the Puranas, uh, other Puranas do. Vishnu Purana, I believe, for example, in greater detail. Hmm. But it's all part of the Puranic. Um, Um, genre to weigh in on this to some extent and you should know that these Puranas, they're are kind of a mytho-historical type of uh, genre of literature um, in that they deal with things that are have historical reality and extend beyond what we can historically measure or um, um, record right And um, they uh, at that genre of literature um, takes a license sometimes to speak to the readers in such a way as to motivate them in the right direction through fear, through a prospect of what they might get, what they may acquire by doing the right thing hmm. Sometimes they motivate them by, uh, emphasis on what they should do, what's the right thing to do, what's the dutiful thing to do, and sometimes, especially the Bhagavatam, if properly understood in context as a whole, it seeks to motivate persons out of, to move out of love, towards the Godhead, by showcasing, as it does, the perfect object of love, Sundar, mm-hmm. in great detail. Mm-hmm. This is how it seeks to. The Bhagavatam has a number of voices. The Puranas typically speak like a friend. The Vedas speak like a king. Hmm? They just give orders. Do this. Do this. Do this. Of course, the king's good, well motivated, so we do it. We know he's speaking for our interest. The Puranas speak like a friend, like, "Let's take a walk. You know, and I'll tell you something. You know, you got some money around me. Let me tell you a story. You know, this happened to me, and we come out and." Share like that. Then the the kavya, the poetic sections, they speak like a lover. Very like when a lover speaks, only the beloved knows what he's talking about. (laughs) They have a secret language of sort. They have all their own meanings and names for one another and things that that they might speak in the public and only they might know what they're really talking about. Um, So, uh, Bhagavatam of course is a purana officially but it's the Amal purana so it's it's the uh, it's a it's a, it's like the puranas are like the stars and the bhagavatam is also like a star called the sun it's also a star in relation to where we are on earth so this is its bright uh, position uh, comparatively, and it speaks in all three of those languages, like a father, like a like a like a like a like a friend, uh, like a king, like a friend, like a, like a lover, and throughout it in different places and so forth. And again, its center of the Bhagavatam is this very compelling uh, description of Krishna and different kinds of love for Krishna that are brought out. So you can see it's trying to, that being the center of the book, motivate people in terms of the pursuit of their source or to become enlightened and so forth, to do so motivated by love, not by duty, not because God should be served, because God is God, after all, hmm? which is a high idea, hmm? but out of love, hmm? not out of duty, not out of fear, not out of prospect of what I might attain materially. Hmm? Um, however, being a Purana hmm, and trying that that this form of revelation, trying to fit into one of the genres, so the Purana was the best one, it includes certain elements like description of the co- cosmography and so forth, which you find in the fifth canto, different regions, subtle regions, and so forth, uh, a different, a uh, certain perspective on it, a like yogic perspective on it. and uh, And so there is a description of hellish. If you will, uh, planets, hmm? and, um, uh, and 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 has said it, it has invoked this Puranic uh, sensibility here, uh, in brief, hmm? to be hold its place as a Purana. But the import, the lesson to be learned, besides the graphic details of boiling in oil or whatever might be said there is that, is it, is that there is reward and punishment for what we do. There's karma hmm? and and the details of it. You can talk about it in different ways to motivate people <laughs> to act in one way rather than another. But um, So he distanced himself from the literal descriptions of it and sought to emphasize the essential import. Now, that said, with the end of the fifth canto, Raj Parikshit, the emperor who is about to die, right? He's on the bank of the Ganges, giving up his 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 kingdom. Even though he was powerful enough to counteract the curse of the uh, of the of the Brahmin, he accepted it and set a nice example for all of us. And inquired, "What's the thing to do? Best thing to do at the time of death?" Sugadev comes, and and so there they are, and Sugadev's is telling the story. Hmm of the Bhagavatam. Really, it's the story of the life of God, so to speak, and, and various tangents that go off from that central theme, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, when Parishit Marsh hears this description of the hellish planets, it ends, the sixth candle begins. And what do we find is the inquiry of the king, the Raj. The, the king is full of... Of a heart of compassion, he wants to know how people can avoid that hmm? the, the punishment side in a comprehensive way, hmm? and the punishment side has been talked about like graphically, and it's it's pretty undesirable hmm? to think that someone would be undergo that. He couldn't bear that. This is the characteristic of a Vaishnav cannot bear the the suffering of others. Hmm? Hmm. Right, he or she has no suffering of their own. Hmm. Um, suffering is a result of attachment. If you have no attachment, you do have no suffering. Doesn't mean you wouldn't be stuck by a pin and you might feel it, um, especially if you're living in a day a concept rather than a, a gyan concept of or a tapasvi uh, concept where you can cancel out pain, for example, with the mind. I was speaking about this the other night, that suffering in one sense is all in the mind, right? So you can't disagree with that. People say, how, you know, there's suffering in the world, how could there be suffering and be God? And the yogi says, it's all in your mind. <laughs> and it's true. Without a mind, you can't suffer or you can't enjoy either. And you could change your mind and control your mind is what yoga is about. Anyway. So we'll go into that in detail, but point being that that Raj was full of compassion, and so he asked, how could, how what can be done that that no one will ever have to suffer like this? This is his feeling, and so Sukadev replies to him. He says, well, they could do good karma, because this is the result of bad karma, so they could do good karma. He said, he, he's he's kind of kind of like testing the Raj. As to how well he has been listening, what he's learned so far, so he replies in this way: You know, do good karma, then you, and you can avoid bad karma. So the king says, "I don't think this is a very good idea." He says, "That's like if when you see an elephant goes and bathes in the river, then comes out and rolls on the sand on the beach. Oh. So you do good karma, hmm, but then." Because the tendency to, to act in that way has not been removed, you end up doing it again. So this is not a comprehensive solution. Hmm? Hmm? You, you, you cannot solve the problem within Rajaguna, which is governs karma. So then the king, then the, then the then the rishi Sukadeva says, well, then by gyan jnan, hmm? by jnana, you can stop doing good karma or bad karma. Mm-hmm. Because knowledge, gyan, does away with action. Action in this world is in relation to things that don't endure, mm-hmm. and if you know they don't endure, and attachment to them therefore is a cause of problem, suffering. Because even if I like them, I can't keep them. Then if I have knowledge, detachment goes with it, and I let go of the things. So with knowledge comes the end of action, and so we go to com- contemplative life, right? And in that life, you're not doing any good or bad acts, right? So, so, But then the Raj replies, I don't think that's comprehensive either because you could not do good or bad acts, you know, for a long time. It's possible. Uh, but you're really just stopping the surface. But have you gotten to the root that causes people to, do, uh, you know, it's ignorance, but have you? is it really uprooted? Hmm? He gave the example of bamboo. You can cut down the bamboo, but it's, it'll come back up again. It's possible. And there are many examples of this in the Bhagavatam. Because, after all, jnana, as I've often explained, is governed by sattva. Karma is governed by rajas. So these are both binding influences in the world. Even though sattva brings clarity, experience of the self, even, at its highest, most subtle Form the sattva can give you f- full experience of the self, but it, but unless you get, come free from sattva, you can attain brahman, hmm? which is place of no return, right? So, so he said, I don't think this path either is sufficient. And then, uh, then the raj, then, then the sage Sukadeva says, Kachit kevalaya agham nihara Iyavasakara, and he speaks about bhakti. He says, um, uh, he says, just like in 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 San Francisco in the afternoon at Golden Gate Bridge, the fog comes in every afternoon, clouds the, the city, and uh, and if you if you wanted to start a fire to put out the fog, you might burn down the city. Hmm? that's not a good idea so there's there's no way to dissipate that fog hmm? by your own efforts in fact you could cause more problems but if the sun should come up suddenly of its own of its own t- in its own time for its own purpose of its own the fog will be dissipated automatically after all the fog comes from the sun hmm? If you follow it carefully, and the sun can make it go away, so he gave this kind of example to say that when that Bhakti is self-sufficient, um, uh, independent, Nirguna beyond the gunas, hmm, it it's so powerful, appearing in the hearts of devotees, in the hearts of people, making them into devotees. So powerful this bhakti that wherever she goes, Krishna has to go. He can't, he cannot not go there. Hmm? So Krishna doesn't choose where to go, but bhakti goes goes wherever she wants. And when she goes there, Krishna has to go there. Hmm? And where does she go? She goes wherever the devotee in whose heart she's present can can share her, which he's always trying to do, the compassionate example of Pariksit Marsha, I cited earlier at the beginning of the chapter, is there, right? Hmm? Vaishnavas are merciful, so they try to share. They they, they can't help but share, in a sense, even if they don't try to share. Hmm? They need help to take advantage of all of the bliss that's contained in the two syllables, Krishna. Therefore, we find Rupa Goswami praying for millions of years, in millions of tongues, to take advantage of these two syllables that are dancing in the courtyard of his heart and making his senses and mind unable to focus on the external world, so he's calling for more hand, more ears, more tongues. Hmm? This is the idea of the guru. He needs more tongues. He's a desperate person. She's really in a predicament, suffering. Hmm. How to take advantage? How troubled, I should say. How can I take advantage? of the sweetness of this name, I, I need calling out for help. Please come, you try the chanting also, something like this. So, so, um, Sukadeva gives the answer by Bhakti. Right? And having said that, then the second chapter begin. I think it's the second chapter, again. then begins with the, the story. So, from a philosophical point that's made to a narrative, it then seeks to underscore the point and speak about it in a different different voice, so to speak. The narrative. Tell it, let me tell you something by telling you a story. That's how the Bhagavatam works, right? So it makes a philosophical point and it wants to tell a story. It's the story of a hmm? Now what you've got in the story of the Jamil is a story which emphasizes a certain Anga, or limb, of the body of Bhakti. The, bo- the limbs are called the, it's, it's the body. Well, the body is the angi, and the, then you have limbs, right? So the limbs assist the body or express the way the body is expressed, let's say. There could be limbs of speech, of thought, or of physical action. So, for example, in Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he gives 64 limbs of bhakti. Some of them are pertain to speech, some to thought, some to action and so forth, ways in which Bhakti can be, uh, can express herself. Hmm? And so uh, among the Angas of Bhakti, all of which are powerful, some of which are more, some of which are uh, singular, others of which have subdivisions within them as well, subangas and so forth, all of this is meant uh, to consume us entirely verbally, mentally, physically, hmm? What does Rupa Goswami say there in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu? He says, um, "Jivan Mukta sa uchite, Karma Manasa Gita hmm? Karma Manasa Gita." So, with the mind, intelligence, words, body, um, Karma Na Manasa Gita Jivan Mukta When the body, mind, words are fully engaged in Krishna's service, he, this is like replying to the Gaudiyas. We have our own Jivan Muktas. Hmm? And they're active with the body, with the mind, with the words, only for Krishna. Two of my godbrothers, once foolish of them, went to see a a, 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 a yogi who had taken a monavrata, a vow not to speak. And he had a congregation and so forth. So they went to him with a bit of a challenging spirit, which is certainly inappropriate, but they did it. And they they said to him that, and he didn't speak, he just wrote on a slate, right? So, they said, they were introduced and then they said to him that our Guru Maharaj has said, better than not speaking is to speak only about Krishna. Hmm. And so the yogi wrote, is that what you do? the m- 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 implication, maybe I'm better than you. I may not be better than your guru, but I might be better than you. <laughs> you know, really... So I ha- they told me that, and I said you should have told them no, you're right. But our guru does he only speaks about Krishna. But anyway, so <laughs> so um yeah, there's a nice statement in the sutras of, of Yas, the Brahma Sutras, Tatu Samand, Iker's the fourth one. Ik so in the Advaitin non-dual school, radical non-dualism Advaita, let's call it the uh, Shankar Sampradaya, the interpretation of the sloka is that ikshater ashabdat, that, that the absolute cannot be spoken about, hmm? which would dictate that he should probably stop talking, but but the Gaudi Vaishnavas interpreted, and grammatically it's correct to do so as well, uh, <laughs> that the nature of Brahman is such that one cannot say enough about it. It means to say that you cannot capture it with words, but the words themselves about Brahman are not useless by any stretch of the imagination. And if they were, then the Upanishads would be suicidal to make such a statement, because they are the words, right? This is the revelation. It comes in in sound, shabda. So it's a nice... um, um rendering if you will of the of the Sutra and that's what we find about the Russian they can't say enough about uh, Krishna verses like this remind us of the their um, uh, nature they're compelled from within to to, the, the, the bhava is playing on the, on the mind, It's riding on the mind, taking over the mind, and so the body as well. So it's all moving physically, verbally, uh, as I say, mentally, for Krishna. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting because there's all this movement that looks like ordinary movement, which is ordinary movement being motivated by, again, the desire for happiness and the desire to avoid distress. Hmm. But this is all movement for service. Whether the service brings distress or whether the service brings happiness is really not an issue. If you're actually a servant, that, that doesn't really matter. This is the way to resolve this problem. Material life is chasing after the happiness and running away from the distress. That's what it is. Two sides of the same coin. Right? Boga and Tiag. In Bhakti, we identify ourselves as a servant hmm, of Krishna. To whom everything belongs. Hmm? Uh, this is the end of the taking problem. Because I, if I'm an honest person, I'm not going to take something if I know it belongs to somebody else. Right. So this is the whole. The only thing we have is a false sense of proprietorship of ownership. Nothing really belongs to us. When we bring to the, the solution of that is to, who does it belong to? Does it belong to nobody and it doesn't exist anyway? Or is the, does it belong to some I mean is it, that would be a further kind of inquiry mm-hmm. and indeed it does and so then everything to be used in 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 the Godheads service it gives meaning also to the world it, 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 it finds inherent meaning in the world by connecting it with its source rather than saying it's it's, it's just a, it doesn't exist really for example as some like to think mm-hmm. um, so. Um, so the Vaishnav is, is 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 engaged body mind words just trying to do justice to Bhagavan, which he cannot with words thought but those words and those thoughts that come from that driven by that they have power hmm? they have great power to help us right um, and give us some and compel us to to, to move in that. Uh, uh, direction. Um, so, uh, Sukadeva is, is, is speaking the Bhagavatam, right? This is how he came to speak. I mean, we talked about it the other day how he came to hear the Bhagavatam, and he became the principal speaker of the Bhagavatam. So, in the context of answering the Raja's question, answering, responding to his compassion, testing him, giving the answer that the Raja embraced, yes, bhakti, then Sukadeva begins to speak the story of Vajramil, and in that he emphasizes a particular anga of the body of Bhagavad a particular anga, and that is the anga of Kirtan, right? which is central to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation. It, it is central to the whole of the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam ends with that the last verse of the Bhagavatam. What is the last verse? Um, anyway, it ends with It Once you do Senkirtan, that's the last verse. And it's throughout, you can find throughout, of course, this, this emphasis. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, these are the three angas that are most emphasized in the Bhagavatam, and amongst them, Kirtan takes uh, takes precedence. Hmm. So, And and about Kirtan is one of the angas that has sub-angas. So, for example, there's Nam Kirtan, Rup Kirtan, Guna Kirtan, Lila Kirtan, different type of Kirtan. And amongst them, non-kirtan is supreme. Hmm? After all, in the name, the qualities, the guna, the leelas, the rupa of Krishna are also found. They can be experienced hmm? as the kirtan becomes deep and, 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 and absorbs one entirely. of hmm? maranasabhava. If you want to really arrest the mind, the power of kirtan is very efficacious in this regard. To arrest the mind and And uh, give you uh, inner experience, if you will. so so, having said again, that bhakti is this comprehensive solution that uh, to to the, to the to the problem of people suffering as a result of conducting themselves in ways that warrant that, otherwise, mm-hmm. that can be eradicated. By Kirtan. this is this is what the, what the Bhagavatam is saying, and so it, and it does it in the form of the story of a jambo. So you need to know a little of the background. You need to know what the spirit of what the Bhagavatam is talking about in that that chapter. So it's it's talking about a perfect storm, so to speak, a perfect storm. Hmm. What could happen if all of the things are set up just right by the power of just one Utterance of one name of God. Hmm? So it's seeking to put to compel us to chant many names of God, in in, in the perfect um, setting with the right motive. Because if just by it's possible by one utterance of the name, hmm, when everything isn't perfectly arranged around it to facilitate. Uh, um, Paying attention, for example, and having your heart in the right place. If, if that, without that, one utterance of the name can have extraordinary results, then the implication is what to speak of if you do it uh, systematically and you understand the nam, the dharma of the name, hmm? what results um, you, will, you will get, right? So that's this kind of spirit of the whole... Text now the, the question is about Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's comment, which is typical of the of the Thakur, who's very extreme in his uh, commentaries with regard to the efficacy of bhakti. Hmm? He takes a very extreme uh, position, uh, always, repeatedly, hmm? with regard to the efficacy of kirtan, for example, in terms of eradicating karma, um, uh, and which is. Comes up in this uh, this story. the the, the that said uh, the text could be inter- could be commented on differently hmm? um, uh, without um, um, the problem arising that Vishwanath Shakavritakur wants to make sure it does not arise. Now, what is that problem? The problem is this, as I said earlier, the piranhas, at times, take a license to exaggerate. Hmm? They say, for example, if you do this, this will happen to you. Hmm? The idea is don't do this, if you're, you know, if you need that kind of impetus, uh uh-oh, and they, they provide a mountain of problems. If you do this once, this will happen to you ten million lifetimes. You know? And so I'm not doing that. And you know most people are driven by by again by by wanting to avoid punishment, wanting to have happiness. So you say if you do this little thing, you're going to get this big result. If you do this, you're going to get this bad big result. So this is the general you know. Again, this is how people uh, are moving in the world. So the, the scriptures take some license to exaggerate. Hmm? So one could, could think that with reg- many things are said about the name hmm? in different Puranas, and especially in the Bhagavatam, the name of God. And of course, this is a cross-cultural, religiously speaking um, uh, principle the bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was one, so the word is one with the godhead the, the 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 Jewish people say the names of God are so name of God is so sacred that you can't chant it you can't utter it I think the Muslims have like bead with ninety nine names that they do their rosary jappa on and so forth so it's um uh accepted that uh well let's, let's take what, what does the word logos mean Logos means word, but it must also mean something like logic too, hmm. right? So it means that the, there's a, there's the sound, and then the, the, the it has philosophical uh, implications. Hmm. It's that kind of sound, the sacred logos. You chant it, and it's 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 just a sound, but it's not just a sound. It's rich with meaning and uh, um, and possibilities of uh, bringing in light and life and so forth. Um, and um, I think, you know, even from a secular point of view, sound, I was reading a couple months back, uh, someone in Harvard had, had invented a thing that was, and they showed it on the video, was a sound, and when they made this sound with this machine, it put out fire. They started fire, and they put the thing, made a sound, and put the fire (laughs) out. So we have, in modern society, uh, manipulated the fire element considerably, right? And we got with cell phones and a lot of computer IT technology and so forth. But the sound element has not been exploited to the same extent, and there are great material powers that could be... um, 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 uh, uh, expressed through sound. From the Vedic point of view, Brahma is uttering sounds. They're like sound formulas. And the, after all by sound, we make the world, so to speak. That's what's said in the Vedic. By sound, Brahma made the world. So we make the world by sound because by sound, we categorize things. And we put this over here. We call this that. And we call we make these, whether they're real or not, or they're artificial is another thing. But by But by sound... By naming the thing by nam, uh, we give it a rupa, a form, and uh, and so forth. So, so at any rate, um, the sound of the name of of God is talked about in the sacred texts of the Hindus, particularly in the Bhagavatam, and the things that are said about the name are extraordinary in terms of its efficacy, to the point where one might think, that sounds like a little bit of an exaggeration, perhaps. And maybe because the Puranas take a license to exaggerate in order to motivate people, then this is a bit of an exaggeration. But if we read carefully the Puranas, we're also going to find that to think that the efficacy, the, the glories of, the, of, the, of Nam, Namkirtan, Example, um, are an exaggeration, is an uparad offense to the name, while while scripture may take a license otherwise, with regard to other practices, this is not the case with the name, so it would be easy to to make that uh, offense. So what Vishnu Chakravarti is trying to do there is comment in such a way that you can't possibly make that offense when interpreting that story, which would prohibit you from getting the full efficacy of the name, even if you were to take it up, compelled by the story. Do you follow? Think, oh yeah, I could. Yeah. Uh, so, but, uh, uh, but if you make that offense, then there's a problem. So what he is saying, they have a sto- well, the story. The story goes something like this, that uh, Ajameel was a Brahmin, Hindu, pious fellow, and um he named his son Narayan right and uh at some point in his life he got distracted from his dharmic uh, um, lifestyle and he fell prey to um attraction to to a prostitute hmm? and it was so overwhelming that he moved out of his house and neglected his wife and and took up living with the prostitute and and uh, did all types of um unbecoming things to provide for her and so forth. Hmm? Uh so he, he, he his life is painted as being pretty impious and warranting if you will the kind of punishment talked about in the fifth canto, at the end of the fifth canto, right? He should be boiling in oil or something like that for what he did, right? And so when he passed away or was about to pass away, he called his son, who he had named Narayan. Narayan. hmm? And his son came, but uh, somebody else came too. hmm? And so because he had committed impious or sinful activities, let's say, with his body, his mind, and his words, three beings appeared, hmm? and they weren't pretty. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And, they, and, they, and they were going to arrest him for his bodily, mental, and uh, uh, you know, verbal um, uh, acts that warranted punishment. And in Hinduism, there is a god of law. He's called Yamaraj. Yama means law, like Yama-Niyama, right? Like you hear in the yoga. So Yama. So um, uh, he, it, they were his messengers. It's, it's kind of graphically you know, depicting if you commit impious activities, there's going to be some consequence before you take your next body. you got to be adjusted in the lab so that you could fit into a cat's body or a dog's body and you know which is what is warranted from what you've done in this life um and so forth so uh, there's some period uh, in between there so anyway the yamadutas the duta means messengers so the messengers of yama uh, the lord of 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 death whatever he came and they came to take him because they knew that the dharma according to the dharma the karma mark, the Varnashram, he, uh, Bajamil, warranted going to the court of Yamaraj and guilty would be the finding. Hmm? And so, as they were coming to take him away, and as I say, they they, they, they weren't um, beatific or anything like that, they were quite, you know, uh, scary, yeah. pratas, they're like pratas, scary people. Uh, And uh, suddenly, then four other beings, celestial, beautiful beings who turned out to be Vishnu Dutas, the Dutas, the messengers of Vishnu came, it's said that four of them came because why? He had chanted the name Narayan, which has four syllables (laughs) that make up the name of God. So if they came for each syllable, this is emphasizing even a syllable of the name of God. This is how extreme it's trying to make. Even one syllable, and as we'll see, uttered unknowingly. Hm? Yeah. can have efficacy. This is a ex- way of emphasizing, the in, in, imploring us, compelling us to take advantage of of the name. So so they came and they said, who, who are you guys? What do you think you're doing here? Said, we, who, are, who are you? We're a message of Yama. And they gave their reasons from the Varnashram point of view why Ajamil should be taken by them. And so then the, um, the Vishnu Dutas reply to them, and it's this nice discussion that goes about about the nature of, of Bhakti in comparison to Varnashram hmm? and what the jurisdiction of where the jurisdiction of Varnashram leaves off, where does it leave off? Sarvadarman Pritya Ja Mami Kum sharanam Braja Dharma Projita kaitavutra, Paramonir Matsaranam Satam. So this is the end of the Gita, the beginning of the Bhagavatam. They correspond. We were talking about this the other day, right? It said, "Leave off the Varnashram. This war, this realm of punishment and reward. Again, bhakti is about seva, so it, it it solves this problem, right? As I said earlier. So to transcend this realm altogether, leave off the Varnashram, Come under the jurisdiction of of of, of bhakti, which is considered in the Bhagavatam, parodharma hmm? what is the verse svaipumsa parodharma yato bhakti it's called paradharma so para means like a transcendental dharma hmm? dharma is not in and of itself transcendental it's the it's the law of the world Moving in the world properly, hmm? but what about transcending the world? So, pro dharma, and it's it's a, it's an interesting concept because typically, jnana cancels karma or knowledge cancels dharma. Dharma means the right way to act in the world, and jnana means stop acting in the world, right or wrong, because hmm? in the larger picture, it's just it keeps you in the world taking birth again and taking birth again, even the good karma, right? Hmm? So, but bhakti then, you know, this is otherworldly, right? Hmm? You can stop acting in the world, but, but, that's like, not taking, as I often say, is not the same as, as giving, as loving. Hmm? And, all things belong, so there's someone to give them to, right? So, bhakti. So, anyway, so, <laughs> This beautiful discussion, hmm. um, and again the Gita says, "Give up the Dharma, give up the Gyan, hmm. take shelter of Me alone." Krishna says, Bhagavatam begins. This Dharma and Gyan, they just cheat the self out of its all it could ha- could could attain hmm. by bhakti. So, so this the the, the even the Yamadutas, they didn't know this." Hmm. This parodharma. It's, just, it's ideas. This is a special thing. This Bhagavatam, for example, is the New Testament of of the of the of the Vedas. It's the final word, the last composition of 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 Vyas, and it says, "Away with the law, bring in the love," hmm? something like yeah. that. Hmm. Well, only by love. But by, by love. Love is love is the solution. The law means to try to make you stop doing the wrong thing and if you love you're automatically doing the right thing and, and you can do and for love you can do anything all is fair and love and war <laughs> so uh, uh, so this is the Bhagavatam is about it's a very um, uh, um, powerful statement and it's it's like really? I mean just by loving Krishna all these things can be accomplished how's it possible? Um, it's very very um, Mm-hmm. It just Speaks about the generous and powerful nature of, of bhakti. So, um, uh, so we won't go into that in detail, but uh, it's, it's it's what the, the whole emphasis of the Bhagavatam, right? Hmm? So here he comes again in the sixth canto, verse I cited, Parodarma's from the first canto. So it's just going throughout, saying the same thing again and again, stepping on the head of varnashram and giving you access to to, to bhakti course, you have to really take the bhakti. But anyway, so the yamadutas educate, excuse me, the Vishnu dutas educate the yamadutas, and so the yamadutas go away. And meanwhile, Ajamila is somehow seeing this, and and then he wants to thank the Vishnu dutas or something, and they disappear. Hmm. And so he, he he what he gets is the the, the, the Nam Dharma. He didn't know the Nam Dharma. He just chanted the name Narayan thinking of his son. Hmm? That's all he did. And so now he 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 knew something. He knew something. Because how could he name his son Narayan? Why would he name his son Narayan? Hmm? So I believe uh, uh, it's uh, commentaries have said, well, he must have met a Bhakta sometime to learn about Narayan. Hmm? And he got a seed of some some bhakti thereby,, mm-hmm. and so he named his the form of it manifest in the form of naming his son Narayan. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he wasn't really active in understanding that implications of that fully and so forth, and so he didn't have the strength from bhakti itself to forego the distraction that ended up you know changing the course of his life mm-hmm. for the worse. It would seem. So, so, uh, the idea there is that uh, he chanted the name without knowing the full implications of it, without doing it in the spirit of bhakti or devotion, consciously, just calling his son, hmm, and still it had the power to free him from the karma that he was due. hmm? Now, the question is, well, Vishwanath Chakrabita Thakur says that that freedom from the karma hmm, that he was due did not occur when he chanted the name at the time of death. Hmm? But the first time he ever chanted it, when he named his son Narayan, his karma was all removed. <laughs> But then if his karma was all removed, why was he doing all these things? What, what, what does that have to do? What's all that? Hmm? So, see, Vishnu is trying to make a make like extreme point here as to the efficacy of, of the name and, and so forth. So, he says that by chanting the name, he more or less, to use an analogy that Prabhupada used to use, unplugged the fan of his karma, hmm. And still, when he unplugged it, the, it had some momentum. Hmm? The Prabhda Karma, the Manifest Karma, had some momentum from his previous life. right? The Prabhda Karma is the man, Manifest Karma now. It's generated from things we did in the previous life. So that fan kept going round, round, slow, slow, slow. And it wasn't good karma. <laughs> so this was just like a Jivan Mukta in a Gyanmarg, who is unplugged from karmic reactions in terms of plugging back into them and keeping them going, and is watching them exhaust themselves. And when they exhaust themselves, that's called death. And then he becomes a Videha Mukta, he tends Brahman. Hmm. So... Vishwanath is saying, so, so this uh, Ajamil was like a Mukta. He was Mukta. He, he wasn't watching it, but that was what was happening. This was just the play of his previous karma now manifest, mm-hmm. winding down, and, and um, there was no uh, further implications from it because of that, because by the name he had been already, his, his destiny had been changed from karmic to transcendental. Something like that. And now he, he, now the, I said this was like a perfect storm kind of idea because the idea is there is, there is Nam that could be chanted while at the same time making offense to the name. That's called Nam Aparad. Hmm? And then there's chanting that could be done that's not done as a spiritual practice, as the case of Ajamil here. Um, and there may be different forms of it. Hey, Hari Krishna. You know, somebody says to you, "There's the Haris. Where's Krishna?" You know, or something like that. Uh, you know, so that's a kind of like a nama bas, a shadow of the of the actual name. Hmm? And then there's the pure chanting of the name, there's, where there's no offense, and the chanting is also conscious, and uh, uh, of what 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 uh, uh, of what one the chanter is conscious of what he's doing, she's doing, and so forth. So. Hmm. In the case of a it's it's the Abbas, right? He had no offense in his track record to the name or to Bhakti. Hmm? Now it's hard to find somebody like that. Is the point? Hmm? It's very hard to find someone. So this is a perfect storm. He had absolutely no offense. Hmm? Which what what? Here's the thing. There's we see material desires are a problem, and then there are offenses. For example to bhakti or the name that are a problem. The former is like a flesh sin of the flesh, the latter is a sin of the, of the soul hmm. follow. So if you have material desires and, and, and so you you, you know you, that are distracting and maybe even some of them are, are um, um, of an impious nature uh, uh, those are things that can be cleared up. Uh, easily, and this was the case of Ajamio, just by one uh, unconscious chanting of name, it became—it was possible. Hmm? Um, but if you have a track record of offenses, then even if you attain Baba Bhakti, which is the perfection of Sadhana Bhakti, hmm, you be held from attaining Prame until the offense has been dealt with, and it will be dealt with by chanting and by Bhakti. But it it, it it the name, the point is, if we offend the name, then the name holds back. Hmm? It holds back from giving all of himself, entire, giving himself, really, to the devotee, which is what the idea of bhakti is. Hmm? And he also may hold back at different times, for different purposes, the name, purposes of his own. Hmm? In other words, you could chant the name like Ajamil. He had absolutely no offense. Hmm? And so he got a very extraordinary um, result. This is just to make the point, right? He asked, well, how does that play out? We don't, you know, like... So I could, how's that working for everybody? The point is, everybody's not like Ajayamil. Hmm? But it could be like that. It's possible. Hmm? Everybody else, the implication is, if you don't have a taste for the name... There must be some offense in the background. If you have absolutely no offense, and ch- you can you can get this perfect storm and this kind of full implications of what's said, for example, in the, in the, in the fullest measure of the the power uh, of the name. Hmm. But, as Bhagavatam says, chanting and still not weeping, hmm, and so forth, hair standing on end, must be some offense in the background. How to overcome the offense? Well, you, there's nothing else you can do. do. You got to do if you if you fall down on the floor, how are you going to get up? You got to use the floor to get up, because there's nothing lower than the floor. Hmm? If you go all the way to Krishna and you offend him, how do you get up? You can't go worship some god, of god or goddess, or do some yoga or something or fast. You got to you got to cry out to Krishna, hmm? continue to chant something like that. Hmm? Chant, then then in time, the name will. Be inclined to share himself, to reveal himself, and he may not—he may not hold back, even. This is another point, because of offense. But he may hold back, because if he give himself right then, you would attain a destination like Vakunta, when the seed of Rati that you attain from association gives you a destination in Goloka, and for that you need a couple of births, hmm. more. To develop your bhakti, develop surup siddhi at hmm, this point, hmm. mm-hmm. then take birth in the lila. Hmm. We even find the Upanishads personify the deities' personality, or the, the, the sages of Dandakaranya, they entered the Prakat lila, hmm. and then still something was to be uh, removed hmm. therein. Of course, there's different ways to think about that. Hmm. Right. So, this is it means that bhakti. Uh, for for the sake of further developing the bhakti, hmm? yeah. he may hold back and, and a couple more lifetimes, something like that. Hmm. Uh, so the name may is Krishna, so he, re- he reveals himself as, as, as he likes and so forth. But um, I think that's the answer, uh, you know, to the to the question. Don't make offenses, and don't make the offense of thinking that the glories of the name are an exaggeration. <laughs> this is the thing he wants to... Because you could do that there in, in this story and start to chant, but then you'd be making that offense and then you would not get the result. Hmm. So, and here's another thing. Ajamil didn't have a guru. So you could just chant without a guru and go to Baikuntha. Right? Happened to Ajamil, so... I might as well do the same thing instead of bothering one of those guys. Hmm? (laughs) (laughs) But no. You see, Ajamil didn't have any sense about that. He didn't have a guru. He chanted. But if you think, hey, I don't need a guru. I can chant like Ajamil, Then you're making the offense of avoiding the guru. Guru Avagya. If you think... You know, Guru. The, the the name's independent of initiation. That's true. Jamil's an example. Jamil got eliminated, liberated without a without a Guru. Hmm? So if I think I think I'll do the same thing, then you're making offense to the name by Guru hm disrespecting the Guru because you think I don't need, a, why, why need a dad I do need that guy. I'm gonna go to Krishna. Krishna's the best, best Guru. Hmm? Who could be as pure as Krishna? Right? But. <laughs> Uh, that's like, like you know, if you got a telescope, you want to see this, the stars, then you think, you know, like, the big lens is up here, and everyone after that is smaller. And you've given me this thing and asked me to look in the small one. Hey, I'm not going to be fooled. I'm going to look in the big one. <laughs> then you just get a headache, right? You don't see anything, just a blur. No. Big is how it comes to you, how Krishna comes to us. That's big. Hmm. he comes in a microcosmic uh, micro what is the some Vyasti microcosmic form of the local guru hmm. and that's where Krishna is most for you, for us hmm. so that's anyway something about the, the story Ajameel Kejai Narayan Kejai Could you consider the the um, uh, Vishnu Dutas. kind of like. You know, Angels? Like what? Like his guru, like Ajahnil's guru. Uh, no. 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 Well, Sikhsha Guru, huh? He got Siksha from them. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. heard them talking yeah. to the Yamadutas. Yeah. He overheard yeah. the Sikhsha. Yeah. No, the this, this, this story is no. It, because the teaching is, you could get. Krishna can liberate you if he wants. Krishna's his name. Hmm? He typically. Wants you to go to somebody who represents him, <laughs> right? But he could do. Krishna nam ke jai, God pramanandi Hari. Van shakal putrubi ascha kripa sanchi vay bhacchapatitanam